What's up? It's your host, JJ. I just wanted to make a quick request. If you don't already, take some time right now to go follow us on socials on Instagram at G2S Good Talk Pod. Also, we have another page at Goodies and Two Shoes on Twitter at two underscore goodies on TikTok at goodies dot the letter N, the number two dot shoes and also on YouTube at Goodies and Two Shoes. Thanks in advance and I hope you enjoy the show. Ty! <laughs> Ty! What up? Hey, I'm healthy today, by the way. If you can't tell, I'm healthy. I done bounced back. I know y'all niggas wanted me out of here, but I'm back, bitch. What up? Oh my god. Hey, cool, what up? Matt, Matt, what up? COVID, bro. I had COVID. That's why I was feeling down bad the past two episodes. I think I done had that shit for a month, a month and a half, no cap. Listen to the episode. I even titled it. I'm, I'm a bit under the weather, so I think I've been had that shit, but I'm back now, though. I'm back now, though. I'm energized, nigga. I got energy. What up? <laughs> what up, man? How about them dogs, man? I hate my baby mama, but she's about them dogs? What up? UGA, what up? the court, but she can't drive on damn court. Pulling out the forms while I'm going. My bitch look like Lauren got four wheelers in storage. I can't start, I've been raw like this since a baby. So fuck it, it's a versatile three. Bloop the beat. Milk a nigga. <laughs> All right, I'm about done letting this shit rock, man. What's up? Welcome to the Good Talk Podcast. I'm your host, JJ. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for being here. You could be anywhere in the world, but you're here with me. So I appreciate it. It's deeply appreciated. Um, if you haven't already, follow us on socials. I'm not going to go through it like I usually do. Follow us on socials. Um, go back to the beginning. Go back to the intro if you want the information for that. Um, if you're watching on YouTube, thank you as always. We deeply appreciate it. Um, go ahead and subscribe for me. Like the video, comment, all that good stuff. A um, lot, of, lot of great content on the YouTube channel. So 
it's definitely a, a, a great subscription, I'll say. Um, but yeah, man, what's up? Welcome, man. A lot to get through today. The Lakers lose again last night. They're in trouble. UGA finally, you know, is able to overcome the Crimson Tide. Uh, San Francisco made it in. That doesn't bode well for Dallas fans. We'll get into that a little bit uh, later on in the show. Um, our scores from last night, ass out award, uh, mailbag, we'll do a rapid fire mailbag today. So yeah, man, we got a lot to get through, a lot to get through. Um, and again, just thank you for being here, man. I appreciate it. I really do. I always appreciate the love and support that y'all show on a weekly basis. Um, and it gives me motivation to keep going. So that's where we're at, man. That's where we're at. So we're going to go ahead and jump right into the show and let's get to our scores from last night as well as week 18 in the NFL. Let's go to the NFL first. Um, Seattle plays spoilers as they defeat the Cardinals 38-30. 15-26, 238 yards and three touchdowns and one pick for Russell Wilson. Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf both had five catches. Um, Lockett was also able to add two touchdowns to finish the season with a total of eight. Huge game from Rashad Penny. He rushed for 190 yards on 23 attempts and added a touchdown to his stat line. Um, the Cardinals had an opportunity to win the NFC West with a win against Seattle, but were unable to do so. Therefore, they dropped to the number five seed in the NFL playoffs. Um, as I go through these NFL scores, you know, I'll make a couple comments, whatever may have you. But what we'll do is we're going to save all of that for later. That is going to be the highlight of this show. We're going to jump into the NFL playoffs and what I foresee happening, um, what the advantages, disadvantages that each team has. Um, in their matchups, so we'll, we'll just go from there. Um, again, the Arizona Cardinals did have the opportunity to lock up that divisional title and were unable to do so due to a loss against the Seattle Seahawks, 38-30. Moving on, the Pittsburgh Steelers advance as they defeat the Baltimore Ravens, 16-13. Um, ugly slug, slugfest in Baltimore, but that's what we expect from this division and particularly this rivalry. Ben completed 30 of his 44 passes for 244 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, Chris Boswell really was the MVP of the game. He accounted for 10 points uh, of, the, of the Steelers' 16, going three for three on field goals and made his lone extra point. The Steelers did their job and got some help later on in the night from the Raiders, um, so they have the opportunity to dance. Uh, round of applause for the Steelers. Not just the Steelers, but uh, in particular, Ben Roethlisberger and Mike Tomlin. It is assumed at this very moment that this is going to be Ben Roethlisberger's last rod as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Um, so yeah, just a big moment for them, that city, that organization, and those two guys in particular. Mike Tomlin still has not have excuse me, still has not had a losing season. Um, I want to say he's uh, 12, 13 years, something like that, something unheard of. Mike Tomlin is one of the goats. I discussed that in my fantasy group chat. I do a fantasy league. We discussed that last week. Mike Tomlin is one million percent one of the goats as it pertains to NFL coaches in history. God honest truth. So again, round of applause for the Pittsburgh Steelers, Ben Roethlisberger, um, and Mike Tomlin. Um, they do have a tough draw. They drew the the Kansas City Chiefs, so that's unfortunate. They did lose to them. I want to say probably um, about a month ago. They lost to them by twenty plus. So it won't be easy. It's going to be an uphill battle. But nevertheless, they made it. And that is saying a lot um, just based on the way that we've seen the Pittsburgh Steelers perform at times during the season. Um, let's move on. Jacksonville ruins the Cinderella story as they defeat the Indianapolis Colts 
26 to 11. Trevor Lawrence finally had a decent game, 23 to 32, um, 223 yards for two touchdowns. He did not turn the ball over, so that's a positive. We saw about two or three weeks ago um, when he played the New England Patriots, he turned the ball over four or five times. So that was something good for the Jacksonville fan base to see going forward into next year. Uh, Marvin Jones also had a solid game, seven catches and 88 yards for him. Also added a touchdown. Um, and again, we'll get into this game a little bit later because the Colts will be highlighted on this show. Completely embarrassing, completely ass out. And that is some foreshad- foreshadowing because the Indianapolis Colts will receive our ass out award for this week. Um, moving on to the NBA in the battle of the best of the East, the Nets demolished the Bulls 138 to 112. Uh, 25, 16, and 7 from Harden on 6 of 13 shooting. Um, excuse me, 25, 16, and 7, yes, from Harden, 6 of 13 shooting. 27, 9 uh, for KD on 70% shooting. 20 of 7 from Dayron Sharp, the 252 product. Round of applause for him. Uh, Greenville been getting a lot of clout lately with, with the way Dayron has been playing, the way Zay Jones has been playing. Um, so that was great to see him uh, with, with that start. Again, 10 of 14 shooting from him. Uh, 20 and 7 again was his final stat line. Patty Mills also had a solid game off the bench, 21 and 3 for him. Um, to close the game out, the Nets went on a 47 to 10 run. Really just embarrassing for the Chicago Bulls. Um, Chicago still sits atop of the East at 27 and 12, and Brooklyn is not too far behind at 26 and 14. But again, primetime matchup for the Chicago Bulls. A lot of people, you know, this was their first opportunity to see what the Chicago Bulls had. You know, this was their first opportunity going up against the big three as a whole, and they get clipped. And they get clipped not by a small margin, but they get blown out. And to add to that, Kyrie Irving only had nine points. So that doesn't bode well. You know, I was one of those guys that was kind of on the Chicago hype train, so to speak. I still am. I don't think that this one loss defines you know, their season or defines what they'll be. But in that same respect, this does not look good for Chicago. It doesn't because if you have to see this team in seven games with a report that came out last night or yesterday, excuse me, that Kyrie Irving still has the ability to play home games if he's willing to pay that fee, it does not look good for you. It does not look good for Chicago. So we'll have to keep a close eye on them. We have to see how they bounce back from this loss um, and see how they develop. For the Brooklyn Nets, they go to 2-0 with the big three. You know, and I think that this is, we all know what this team is capable of. This is all about availability. That's what it's all about. It's all about availability. If Kyrie Irving decides that he wants to get the vaccine or the he decides that he wants to pay those, those fines to play the home games, the East is a wrap. The East is a wrap. We've been saying that for two or three years now. The, the Brooklyn Nets were a, a, a toenail away last year from being Eastern Conference champions, in my opinion. That's what I genu- that's what I genuinely believe. So we already know the potential that Brooklyn has. Now it's all about can they put it together? And if they do, should they? Um, the NBA is in trouble. The NBA is in trouble. I know we want to gas Golden State. I know we want to go ahead and crown them and things of that nature. But if this big three is able to stay on the court, stay available, whether it be health or because of the vaccine, whatever may have you, if they're able to do that, the NBA may be wrapped up and we may be looking at the Brooklyn Nets as our 2021-22 NBA champions. Moving on, the Lake Show lose again. Um, 125 to 116 was the final there. 
23-7 from UNC product Harrison Barnes. 29-4-4 from De'Aaron Fox. He had a huge fourth quarter to go ahead and close the Lakers out. Um, and for Marvin Bagley, he added 16-9. The Lakers are in trouble. We've been saying that. It's every game that goes by is abundantly clear. Now, I'm not going to overreact and jump off the wagon and say they're not going to make the playoffs. They're going to get bounced in the first round. I don't think that's true. I think Russell Westbrook, once he finally gets it going, I know right now he's a scapegoat. You know, I know that the past three or four games he's made like four, six, four, five, six baskets, something like that. I'm aware of everything that's going on in LA. I do. But I think that the confidence that LeBron James has in Russell Westbrook still, after still seeing these performances for the first half of the season because we're 42 games in, I think that that at some point will resonate with Russell Westbrook and I think that he will get it going. And when Westbrook gets it going, with Anthony Davis comes back and is available, and with the way that LeBron James is playing right now at the level that he's playing right now, the Lakers still will be a force to be reckoned with, but we have to start seeing it because you can't keep losing games like this to the Sacramento Kings. It's unfortunate. The Lakers dropped to 500 on the season. I want to say their record is 21-21, and 21, um, and they're currently 7th in the West. So if, they, if the playoffs started tonight, the Lakers will have to play Golden State the first round. And unfortunately, <laughs> we all know what time it would be. LeBron would be bounced in the first round of the playoffs for his second consecutive year. Again, it's unfortunate. Um, there's one more thing. Again, I want to give the UGA Bulldogs a round of applause because they were able to exercise their demons and clip the Alabama Crimson Tide. Um, the final there was 33-18. to 18. Just a huge team performance. I did... Um, watch the game. I'm personally not a huge uh, college football guy, so generally I'm, I I don't tune in um, as often as I could. But I did tune in to the national championship Monday, and UGA looked like the superior team. Now, I know I get that Alabama was dealing with a lot of injuries. They had their star receiver out to even begin the game. Then another another receiver went down, excuse me, um, during that game. But in that same breath, UGA came to play and they punched the Alabama Crimson Tide in the mouth. Bryce Young, he looked uncomfortable in the pocket for the whole game. You know, offense, the offense was kind of shaky the first half. Then they stepped it up again or a, a little bit in the second half. Um, I want to say their last two possessions, they scored two touchdowns. Then they had to pick six. So it, they came to play in the second half as well. So, again, just another round of applause for the UGA Bulldogs. They got the job done. First national championship in over 40 years. Um, so, just something for the city of Athens to be proud of. Something for the, the state of Georgia, you know, Atlanta, all of the surrounding areas, whatever may have you. Just a huge, huge win. Um, and for me personally, I just enjoy watching the Alabama Crimson Tide losing. That's just me. I mean, it's just one of those things where, you know, you're the hunted. You're the hunted, and for so many years, Alabama has been that team that dominates everybody that they see, whether it be on a national championship level or just on a weekend, a week out basis. So it did my heart some joy to see the UGA Bulldogs win that championship Monday. And then, of course, I do have some family ties down there. You know, uh, got got a, a, a friend that has some family members that's a part of the um, coaching staff out there So it was just Just a, a great win Just a great win You know I 
I personally took some pride in it. I can't lie to you. It made me it made me feel good that that they were able to get it done because when I do watch football, when I do watch college football, um, the two teams that I do prefer to watch on a year in and year out basis is the UGA Bulldogs and Ohio State. So that's that on that, man. Again, one more time, round of applause for UGA as they win their first national championship in over 40 years. So let's go ahead and move on to our game of the week. Um, I won't go into much detail because, again, this show is specifically um, designated to highlight the playoff matchups that we have. So we're going to dive into that um, more in depth as the show goes on. But last week, our game of the week was the Rams versus the 49ers. I took the Niners by three. A lot of y'all told me I was crazy. A lot of y'all told me that they wouldn't beat the Rams again in SoFi. You know, I told y'all that their playoff backs were against the wall. Their playoff lives were in jeopardy. And I knew that San Francisco would come out and do what they needed to do, do what was necessary to win this game. Again, I picked them by three. They won by three in overtime. So round of applause for me. Like, I'm feeling like I'm on my A-B shit. A nigga say, a nigga A-B say, uh, a nigga A-B say, can we have a moment of silence for one of the greatest football players of all time, Antonio Brown? Nigga, lean back. My nigga say, thank you. <laughs> hey, that nigga, hey, man, y'all need to get y'all boy A-B some help, bro. Y'all need to get y'all boy A-B some help. But my apology, I went on a little rant right there. Um, but again, that was the game of the week. The 49ers of the Rams was it lived up to every every uh, ounce of competition, so to speak, that I thought that it was going to have. The Rams jumped out very, very early to a 17-0 lead. It seemed as though that uh, the 49ers were going to fold. You know, I thought that they were pretty much wrapped up. But listen, they came back and they threw their own haymakers. They came out of the second half. They threw their own haymakers. They responded to what Sean McVay and the Los Angeles Rams were showing them, and they bounced back. They bounced back in the second half, and they were able to get it done. So, again, that was a huge matchup. A lot of playoff implications in on that one, and the 49ers make it in to the playoffs. We'll dive into them a little bit later. Um, fast forward to this week. This week, our game of the week is the New England Patriots versus the Buffalo Bills. I have the Bills winning this game by 10 points. And again, that's all I'm going to say um, on that matchup because we're going to dive deeper into that as the show goes on. Let's fast forward a little bit to our sports news. Um, sports news for this week. We have, we have a, couple of, a couple of things that we want to highlight here. Um, so let's just start it off. Here we go. A lot of firings, a lot of firings happened in the NFL this past week. Um, a lot of contract termination, so to speak. So we'll start here. The Broncos fire head coach Vic Vangio. Um, the Dolphins, and this shit, I, I, I really would get into it. Matter of fact, we'll get into it. The Dolphins fire head coach Brian, Brian Flores, bro. And this is, um, this is just one of those things where it's unfortunate but the reality of the situation is black coaches in the NFL have to work 10 times harder than guys do if they're of other descent. Translation, if they're white, they have a much better, a much better shot at keeping their job no matter what they do 
than black coaches in the NFL. Black coaches' leases are extremely short. They are. That's just the reality of the situation. Somebody has to say, I'll be the one, because I don't got no, I'm not PC, you know, I don't do that whole shit. I don't do the political, you know, ties and things of that nature. That's the reality of the situation, bro. There's no way that Brian Flores doesn't have a job, but you have a guy like Matt Rule in Carolina that still has, you know, an active contract. It makes no sense, bro. It really makes no sense. I, let me let's take a look just real quick at what the Dolphins closed at this year, um, because you know they started off it was rough, it was rough. You know what I'm saying? But they ended up tightening up. They finished at nine and eight. They finished at nine and eight, and I want to say Brian Flores. Every time he's been there, there's been an ascension in the in the in the progress of the organization and the team as it pertains to record. So this this came this was the biggest shock to me of the week. I must be honest. It was really again, it just confirmed what I already knew. If you're black in the NFL, especially if you're in a role of power, not a player, if you're black in the NFL in a role of power, head coach, GM, president, vice president, executive, whatever you want to highlight, you have to work 10 times harder. And sometimes good just simply isn't good enough. And it's unfortunate, but that is the reality of the situation. Again, Brian Flores is out as the Dolphins head coach. Allegedly, it was a power struggle. Um, Chris, Chris Greer, the general manager for the Miami Dolphins, he did, in fact, keep his job. It's rumored to have been a power struggle. Um, one side wanted Tua, and one side wanted to move on from Tua. The one side that wanted to move on from Tua was Brian Flores. He got the boot. The organization wants to stick behind Tua. And again, if you remember, um, the question arose last week if Tua was a was a franchise quarterback. And I told y'all I didn't believe so. I don't believe that Tua Tugavaloa is a franchise quarterback. And so the fact that, you know, the Miami Dolphins would sacrifice the progress that they have established, so to speak, with Brian Flores for a guy that we don't know can stay healthy for a whole season and for a guy that when he is on the field is really just mediocre. It's just preposterous. It really is. It's preposterous. Brian Flores should have a job in Miami. He should. And again, I feel like that's one of those things that is going to backfire on the Miami Dolphins. And I think that'll haunt them for the next decade to decade and a half. I really do. I think that the Miami Dolphins made a terrible decision by firing Brian Flores and not only firing Brian Flores, but on top of that, for the reason being, allegedly, that he wanted to move on from Tua and the Dolphins wanted to keep Tua, I think that that is, again, preposterous and it's extremely unfortunate um, for Brian Flores. But I can guarantee you one thing, Brian Flores will be a head coach in this league going into next season. I can guarantee you that. Moving on to the other firings, the New York Giants fired Joe Judge. Um, that took a little bit longer than predicted. I thought he was going to be one of the first ones out. Um, I, I want to say that he actually got fired on Tuesday while these other guys got fired on Monday. Um, so, again, that took a little bit longer than predicted for me. Um, but nevertheless, he's gone as the Giants decide to move on. Another Other news for the Giants, um, Vice President and General Manager Dave Gettleman. If you're a Carolina Panthers fan, you know about Dave Gettleman. He decided to retire this week. Um, 
I won't even give him a round of applause. I was thinking about it. If you're watching on YouTube, I looked down at my soundboard because I was going to give him a round of applause, but really, fuck Dave Gettleman. I don't care about him. He's part of the reason why our franchise went to shit. Fuck Dave Gettleman. Simple as that. Moving on, the Bears fire head coach Matt Nagy as well as GM Ryan Pace. Um, we know the debacle that Chicago has been for the past two or three years since Matt Nagy has been in as head coach. That was one of those things that we all knew was going to happen sooner rather than later. Um, the Vikers, excuse me, the Vikings have fired both head coach Mike Zimmer and GM Rick Spielman. Um, I mean, I don't, I don't, I, I don't really necessarily know. I know the Vikings, you know, they've been up and down the past four, five, six years. They've been up and down. You know, they've won some big games. They've also lost some big games. I think that it was just time for a culture change as far as from the from a general manager and executive perspective. I think that it was just more so a culture thing. I think that they have seen enough of uh, or not from a GM perspective because the GM was gone as well. Excuse me, from an ownership perspective. Um I think, again, that he just wanted a culture change. I really do. I think he has seen enough of those two guys together. Um, it's not like they were horrible. The Vikings were in the playoff hunt um, up until about two weeks ago, I want to say. Uh, and then they, they lost one of those big games that I hinted at earlier. So, you know, it's just one of those things that, again, it's just extremely unfortunate. But those guys are out. Mike Zimmer and Rick Spillman, they are out as um, – the Vikings head coach and general manager. To some contract news, the Buccaneers signed Vita Vea to a four-year, $73 million extension. Now, I will give him a round of applause, even though he's in my division. And, I, you know, I've had nightmares about Vita Vea as it pertains to, you know, us having to play him twice a year. But very, very well-deserved. Um, Vita Vea is a top five at his respective position, whether you want to call him a one technique or a three technique. Um... He's a stud, and he deserves every dime he gets. I love seeing the big boys get shown some love. I love when I see that. Um, so, again, round of applause for Vita Vea as he signs a four-year, $73 million extension with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. In other news, the Rams are signing safety Eric Weddle to play in the playoffs. We haven't seen Eric Weddle in about two years. Um, he retired. He's coming back. I don't know. I know that the Rams had a big injury at that position um, against San Francisco. So I'm sure that played a part in it. I don't know if Eric Weddle gets them where they want to be defensively. I don't know if that's that's the case. But when you have guys in your front seven like Von Miller and um, Aaron Donald, it makes your job a little bit easier back there, especially when you have Jalen Ramsey in the secondary as well. Um, so Eric Weddle does get a contract to close out this season with the Los Angeles Rams. Um in other news, other sports news, three-time World Series champion and 200-game winner, John Lester is retiring after a 16-year career. Round of applause for that. Um, hell of a career. Hell of a career. One of the best pitchers of his time. One of the most efficient pitchers of his time. Not like he did anything, you know, spectacular. But he got his job done. He got his job done. You know, he has the accolades to back it up. Three chips, 200 games that he's won. Um, so really just an extremely successful career for John Lester as he calls it quits after 16 years. Um, 
Today, the M- the MLB and the MLBPA plan to hold a bargaining session. Um, so hopefully that goes well, bro. If y'all don't know, I'm a huge baseball fan. I don't talk about it that much on this podcast just because I don't think that necessarily that y'all want to hear it. I don't. I mean, baseball is so long as 100 and what, 62, 72, 82, whatever. 182 games, I want to say. Um, so, yeah, it's just a long, long season. Very drawn out at times. And then, I, again, I don't feel like y'all want to hear that. So, I don't talk much baseball on this podcast. But I am a huge baseball fan personally. Um, so, I am hoping that there can be some progression towards an agreement. Again, I'm not sure if there will be an uh, actual agreement today. But again, the hope is that they'll be able to, you know, make some progression towards that end goal. And hopefully this lockout will end um, because we need it. I need it. Baseball fans around the world need it. We need MLB baseball. And um, the limbo that we're in right now, it just doesn't do it for me. It doesn't get the job done. So I'm hoping that they can come to some sort of resolution um, and that today will be a successful day as it pertains to coming to or nearing towards that resolution. Um, basketball news, the Denver Nuggets trade bowl bowl to the Detroit Pistons. Um, and then the bigger news from last night, Damian Lillard intends to undergo surgery to treat his core injury. Um, it's unclear at this very moment if Damian Lillard will be out for the duration of the season. But not, right now, the timetable is for him to be reevaluated in six to eight months, or excuse me, six to eight weeks. My apologies. So, you know, it's extremely unfortunate for the Portland Trailblazers. I'm one of those guys. I know the loyalty of Damian Lillard. I know, you know, um, that he's been very adamant in stating that he would never leave Portland, this and that. But in all actuality, if Damian Lillard wants to win a ring, he has to leave the Portland Trailblazers. He does. I hope that at some point he gets that he gains that realization, so to speak, um, and, and he moves on from the city of Portland. Again, it's nothing personal against Portland. You know, I don't hate the franchise. I don't dislike them. Um, I'm actually appreciative because I'm a huge Carmelo Anthony fan. I'm actually appreciative for the opportunity that they gave to Melo, but at the same time, in that same breath. I don't think that that organization has what it takes to be an NBA champion. And I think that Damian Lillard is such a talent that cannot be wasted that he must move on at some point in his career from the Portland Trailblazers. And hopefully that happens sooner rather than later. Um, But we'll see how that plays out. Again, Damian Lillard intends to undergo surgery to treat his court injury. The official timetable right now is scheduled for him to be re-evaluated in six to eight weeks. So we'll see how that goes. We'll see how that goes. Um, So, yeah, man, that's all that we have for our sports news. Again, we've gone through our our scores. We've gone through our sports news highlights. Um, We've gone through our game of the week. So now let's head over to our goodie of the week. Our goodie of the week this week is million dollars worth of game by 2 Chains featuring 42 Dog. Tone. Yeah. Yeah. 
truck in the coupe. Only time I'm going back and forth is for the juice. Bitch still got me in court, shit crazy. Only time I let it be record when I'm rain, I'm famous, but can't shit change me, nigga. A million dollar worth of gang, these niggas. I sold green, sold white, sold lyrics. Course, I watching the house play the piss. Okay. Money on my nightstand, jewelry on my nightstand. Aftermarket, they stand though. I pray I don't generally say it's on sight, then I guess it's on sight. Then, first couple of shows, the effing was my hype, man. Way before the PJ, I had a flight plan. Go with me, shake his hand, that's my right hand. A whole fucking homeboy out of spite, man. We had so much lean, the store ran out of sprite, and y'all don't get it. A on my fit. Pussy niggas saying a bunch of shit, they ain't living. Back on my pivot. Kitchen water with all these turkey bags they thought it was Thanksgiving. Don't make me pull a lot of meat. Cash I ain't trippin'. Long ass nose on sticks, got it pippin'. Let me see you shake it one cheek at a time. Double shot with the line, yeah your body different. Made back truck in the coupe. Only time I'm going back and forth is for the juice. They still got me in court, shit crazy. Only time I let it be record when I'm rain, I'm famous, but can't shit change me, nigga. A million dollar worth of game, these niggas. I sold green, sold white, sold lyrics. Course, I watching the house play the pistons. Still remember Chief, he was three doors down. I mean, how? How you ain't last a year? Look at me now. The reason why that bag and top, I got bricks. No top sad, everybody won't fit. Forever outside, they don't let a nigga in. Nigga, all my bitches got a bend. Nigga, if I can't fuck, don't taste me. You ain't gotta like it, but respect it. That F is still my weapon. AJ, step back, bitch, while I shoot. Walk a nigga down without tying my shit. Let him play crazy, a dad in his bitch. Balls over fans and six still over nines. Rob, you rob, no, I'm tripping for the gas. Rose for the winner, then I probably give it back. Still can't believe a nigga made it all rap. Bitch, who made back truck in the coupe. Only time I'm going back and forth is for the juice. Bitch still got me in court, shit crazy. Only time I let a bitch record when I'm rain, I'm famous. But can't shit change me, nigga. A million dollar worth of gang, these niggas. I sold green, sold white, sold lyrics. Course, I watching the house play the piston. Huh? Again, our goodie of the week. That was Million Dollars Worth of Game by 2 Chains featuring 42 Doug. So let's move on to um, our stories. And today we're just going to talk about um, the NFL playoffs and then. We'll move on to our mailbag. Again, we'll do our ass out award and the best thing I saw this week and we'll go ahead and get wrapped up. Um, first and foremost, uh, Brandon Staley did cost the Los Angeles Chargers a trip to the playoffs. I just want to make that known. I want to make that known. Brandon Staley got a little too big for his britches. And if you don't know, you know, if you don't know what I'm talking about, just do your research. That's all I'm going to say because I don't want to dive too much into it. I want to look forward, not backwards. Um, but he got a little too big for his britches. He did. I believe in overtime, matter of fact, first and foremost, round of applause for both teams for an outstanding season finale, Sunday Night Football last week, Chargers and Raiders. Um, a tie, you both get in. When you get in. Um, so, you know, I, I believe like I was where I was headed with that was, I believe that the Oakland Raiders or excuse me, the Las Vegas Raiders, I apologize. Cause I do that like almost every week, the Las Vegas Raiders. What I believe is that they were going to settle for a tie. I do. When both teams went down, 
kick the field goals. We know that Josh Jacobs had the big run, whatever may have you flip the field a bit. Um, but as they were, as the drive was going on, the Chargers had them in, on a third down situation, third and six, third and seven, something like that. The clock was just dwindling down, dwindling down, dwindling down. You know, only thing the Chargers have to do is make that one play is fourth down. What I think is if you stop them on that third down, I think the Chargers have, or excuse me, I think the Raiders have no choice but to t- or but to take a knee and let the clock run out or whatever may have you. Let the clock run out after that third down play. You both tie. You both get into the playoffs. Now, what ends up happening is they convert. Yeah, I'm fine with that. They, I, I'm aware that they convert. But they shouldn't have had that opportunity. Brandon Staley should not have called the timeout. If you don't call the timeout, their back is against the wall. And again, Derek Carr came out and said it. And the head coach of the interim head coach, excuse me, of the Las Vegas Raiders came out and said, listen, we were seriously considering taking a knee. And when you call that timeout, Brandon Staley, our whole opinion on the game and the approach on closing the game changed. (laughs) Because it was like kind of like, you know, we were going to do you a favor because you're pretty much dead to rights. You're pretty much dead to rights. We were going to do you a favor, yet you get too big for your britches. You call the timeout, and we clip you. Excuse me. So that's what what Brandon Staley has to live with himself. Uh, He has to live with himself with that. Uh, for the duration of this offseason, the Raiders do get the job done against the Los Angeles Chargers. And again, I genuinely believe that the the Las Vegas Raiders were going to take a knee. And I think that both of those teams would have went into the playoffs um, at the expense of the Pittsburgh Steelers if Brandon Staley does not call that timeout. So it's extremely unfortunate for Chargers uh, fans around the world as well as the Chargers players Justin Herbert put on an absolutely spectacular performance. Um, so again, they, they one of those teams where I, they don't necessarily, they didn't necessarily deserve to make it in, but you can make the same argument for the Pittsburgh Steelers. If we go based on the play that we saw from these teams for the duration of this NFL season, they've done nothing outstanding. They've done nothing spectacular. Um, and they haven't been able to string together many wins consecutively so it was one of those situations where you don't necessarily deserve to make it, but at the same time, if you have the opportunity to make it, make it. And the Chargers had the opportunity. Brandon Staley gets too big for his britches once again, calls a timeout, and I think that it plays a implement or a, a, a huge role, excuse me, in why the Las Vegas Raiders made the decision to go ahead and convert on the third down for one for two to kick the field goal to send themselves into the playoffs instead of both teams and just settling for a tie. Um, so yeah, just this round of applause, really Brandon Staley really could have been up for our ass out award this week, but we went in a direct, uh, different direction. So he's off the hook. He's off the hook. So here we go. Let's get into it, man. Let's get into it. Um, just a quick, quick thing to point out um, before we get started on this story. And as we progress throughout the show, I will be making an appearance on the Little River podcast in the next coming weeks. Um, I think I'm going to make one this week, and then there may be another one later on in the week. I'm not sure how we're going to go about it. But again, I will be on the Little River podcast. If you don't know what that about that podcast, 
Um, go check them out right now on Instagram at Little River Podcast. Huge shout outs to that guy, uh, those guys over there, specifically Caldwell, John Caldwell, my boy, um, one of the hosts of the Little River Podcast. But I will be making an appearance um, on the show this week. So uh, extremely appreciative and grateful for that opportunity um, that those guys are giving me to uh, make an appearance on their show. All right, so here we go. Let's move on. Um, what we'll do, this is how we'll go about it. We'll go game by game. Again, I'll give you my prediction. I'll give you the pros or cons, pros and cons, excuse me, of each team, where t- where teams have the advantage, where teams have a slight disadvantage. We'll just talk. We'll just chop it up about the matchups, um, and we'll try to do it in a in a hasty fashion. Uh, it's, it obviously, it's going to take some time, but just bear with me. Just bear with me. It's good content, um, and I think that you guys will enjoy uh, what, what I have to say about some of these matchups. So here we go. First and foremost, we'll start off with the Raiders and Bengals. We'll start off with the Raiders and Bengals. Um, we know the story with the Raiders. Again, we kind of touched on it. One of those teams that were on the bubble for the duration of the of the season. You know, they've dealt with adversity. Firehead coach John Gruden, week six, week seven, whatever may have you. Um, Josh Jacobs, their star running back. You know, he has health problems throughout the year. Darren Waller, again, past four or five weeks, he's been unavailable um, as it pertains to, to being able to play, obviously. Um, so he's been unavailable with the injury. COVID, I, again, I touched on it kind of last week. Um, so we kind of know where the Raiders stand as it pertains to that. They're a great story. They're a phenomenal story. You know, I'm happy for them. I, I enjoy watching the Raiders play. There's a couple guys on that team um, that I really, really, really enjoy watching play. Jonathan Abram, he is out for the rest of the year um, with a shoulder injury, but he's one of those guys that I just love playing. He's one of those guys where, you know, I, I mentioned it a couple of weeks ago that I, I love weird players or guys that don't necessarily get the recognition that I believe that they deserve. Jonathan Abram is one of those guys. Zay Jones, again, another product um, out of ECU. He's come on strong the last couple of weeks um, as it pertains to production. So, again, they're a great story. But unfortunately, Cincinnati is going to abuse the Raiders. It's, again, it's unfortunate. It really is. But I think that Cincinnati will expose the Raiders to be frauds, honestly, because the Raiders really shouldn't be in this position if we're just keeping it in the honey. They shouldn't. I mean, if we're just going to be honest and we're just going to have a real conversation today about what we can see happening in these playoffs, the, Ra- the Raiders really don't deserve to be here. And I think Cincinnati is going to show the world that they don't deserve to be here for one and for two, that Cincinnati is actually a threat to make a deep playoff push. I do. I think that Joe Burrow is going to put on a show. I don't believe that the Raiders have anybody in that weak secondary, respectfully, of course. I don't think that they have anybody in that secondary that will be able to even hinder what Jamar Chase is able to do. On the football field, I don't. I think that Jamar Chase goes for over 150 yards, multi-touchdown multi game, you know, T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, those guys. I think that the Bengals expose the Raiders, and I think that they put the league on notice to let them know 
we're not a game. We're not a joke, and we're coming for that crown. I really do. That's what I predict will happen. Um, for the Bengals offensively, we know the story with Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, the receiver core with T. Higgins, Tyler Boyd, Jamar Chase, those guys, they have weapons. They have elite-level weapons, um, weapons that over the past four or five weeks have been on full display. They have. Over the past month to month and a half, they've been on full display. Um, the Bengals have made me a believer in them. I think that they can get the job done. I think that they have the potential to clip any team in the AFC playoff picture right now. I do. Defensively, they're not there. Again, that's something that I acknowledged last week. I'm aware where they're at defensively. There's no guys that really st- uh, that really jump off the paper, so to speak. As a unit, they don't jump off the paper. They're one of those teams that are kind of, you know, middle of the pack, leaning towards the bottom half. But when you have an offense like the Cincinnati Bengals, you have a chance to win any football game. You do. And I think that that will hold true this week. Um, I feel as though the Raiders will put, put up some points. Derek Carr has been playing at a great level this season. Um, so I do believe that the Raiders will put up some points. But it won't be 40 or 50. And I think that Cincinnati has 40 or 50 in their near future. I really do. I have the Bengals winning that matchup. So that's what I have on that particular game. Raiders versus the Bengals. I believe that game is on Saturday. Let me take a look just so I can kind of let y'all know when these games are occurring. Let's see. Oh, this doesn't give me what I need. Yeah, Saturday. Saturday, January 15th at 4.30. Um, Raiders and Bengals. So, yeah, that's what I have on that matchup. Make sure you tune in. Huge weekend for football, obviously. We are highlighting the NFL playoffs and the matchups of the first week. Moving on to our next matchup, the Patriots versus the Bills. I have the Bills winning this football game. Um, Again, that was our game of the week. That's the game that I highlighted. I have the Bills winning this game by 10 points. Um, But I I do believe this is going to be a slugfest. I do. Um, We'll start with the New England Patriots. We know the story on Bill Belichick. We know how great he is as a head coach. We know that he's one of the greatest, if not the greatest, head football coach of all time. Um, So that's the advantage that they have off rip. I think if we take a look at Sean McDermott and and Bill Belichick, if we're just going head-to-head there, it's a slight advantage for Bill Belichick. Though Sean McDermott is on his way to being the great one of the greatest coaches that we have in the modern NFL, he is. Um, if you just take a look at what he's been able to do with that organization right now, um, obviously he shows he shows at times that he has that potential. He's not hundred percent there yet, and even if he was, he doesn't match up well with Bill Belichick. If we take a look at them from a head head to head perspective. Um, so advantage Patriots there. Uh, what else do we have for the Patriots? Really, you know, their their run game, that's going to be one of those things where it has to be clicking in order 
for them to win this football game. They have to be able to run the football at an elite level with Damian Harris and Ramondre Stevenson, those guys. They're going to have to come out and run the football, and they're going to have to come out and control the tempo of this game if they want the chance to win. Um, can the New England Patriots do it? If you have Bill on your sideline, you can do whatever you put your mind to. It's just that simple. God honest truth. And, and, and your mind is already set there because Bill makes sure that your mind is set there. So, you know, they, they can do it. But if we take a look at the Buffalo Bills, again, it's one of those things that we talked about last week. We know the potential that the Buffalo Bills have because we saw it on display last year when they made it to the AFC Championship. We did. I mean, that's just, that, that's just the reality of the situation. We've seen what they're capable of doing. They didn't lose many pieces in the offseason. You know, their defense is mm, it's suspect at times, but at times it's elite. So that's one of the things that we'll have to take a look at is how that run defense will match up against the New England Patriots um, offensive attack, so to speak. Um, but they had the potential to do it. They do. Josh Allen, I'm a huge fan. So we, if we look at Josh Allen and Mac Jones, I go advantage Buffalo. Um, if we look at the receiving core of the Buffalo Bills against the New England Patriots, I give that advantage to Buffalo once again just because, listen, I'm aware of um, how great J.C. Jackson is. I, 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 I am. You know, I, I know that he's a... He's a pro bowler. He probably will be first team all pro this year. You know, so so he's elite. Don't get me wrong. He's an elite cornerback. But if you look at the numbers, four is greater than one, unfortunately. And the Buffalo Bills don't only have just four. They have five because if you want to throw Dawson Knox in there, you can do that as well. So if I look at it, I go, you know, uh, Stephon Diggs. I go Gabriel Davis. I go Cole Beasley. And then I go Dawson Knox, and then I'm missing one because my math would be all, uh, what's my man's name, McKinney, McKenzie, something like that, whatever, number 19 um, for the Buffalo Bills. Again, four or five is greater than one. And I've seen the potential that bro had. I, again, I'm going blank on his name right now. But I've seen the potential that bro has because I just saw him take a game over two weeks ago. I did. And if you're a Buffalo, fan, uh, Buffalo Bills fan, you know exactly what I'm referring to. Um, so again, four or five is greater than one. The New England Patriots secondary, when you get past J.C. Jackson, is extremely suspect. I think the Buffalo Bills exposed that aspect of it. We know that the Buffalo or that New England Patriots run defense is elite. We know that their pass rush is elite. But with that, with that being said, the Buffalo Bills wide receivers are elite. And so if Sean McDermott and what I believe he will do is if he comes up with a plan to get the ball out of Josh Allen's hands quick and he gets the, the, the ball in the hands of his playmakers, I think the New England Patriots have a long day. That's why I have the Buffalo Bills winning this game by 10 points. It's going to be a great game. I think, again, it will be a slugfest. It'll go back and forth uh, for the majority of the game. But I think ultimately the Buffalo Bills will pull away in advance to the second round of the NFL playoffs. So that's what I have on that matchup. Um, let's take a look here. Our next one that we're going to talk about is the Steelers versus Chiefs. Um, and this is, this is one of those, I have a mailbag question um, that references this game. It's actually a question of, directly about this game. Um, I, 
again, if you if you look back at our or you listen back to our podcast about two weeks ago, I predicted the Steelers to beat the Chiefs when they lost by twenty plus, whatever may have you. I predicted the Steelers to win that game by one point, um, and that was actually our game of the week a couple weeks ago. Um, so I'm just I'm all of that being said, I'm one of those guys that I don't just totally write the Steelers off. I think that the Kansas City Chiefs will win this football game. I do. But with that being said, I'm not just going to completely dismiss the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not. And as a matter of fact, I'll answer one of the mailbag questions here um, since we're here right now. What percent do I give the Kansas or the Pittsburgh Steelers to win this football game? I would say about 40%. And I can tell you that, and I, I say that like in all seriousness, I do. You know, I, I their defense has been suspect, but they've also dealt with dealt with a lot of injuries. We know TJ Watt, we know the ability that he has. So just based on that, that gives you a solid percent just because you have TJ Watt and he's a game changing player. He is. So that gives you an opportunity to, you know, put yourself in a position to win these football games. Um now, on the other side of the football, that's when things kind of get a little iffy, so to speak, because y'all know where I stand on Ben Roethlisberger. I've made my opinion on him abundantly clear. Um, I think that he's washed up. I think that his time has come. I think that whatever game is his last game in this season, I think it should be his last game of his NFL career. I do. Um, so that's kind of where I... I uh, I'll take a look at this game and it's clear that Kansas City, you know, will have the advantage as, as it pertains to that just solely based on the fact that Ben Roethlisberger is not what he used to be. But with that being said, with all of that being said, if we take a look at Kansas City's defense, they've been suspect for the whole year. They have. They've been extremely suspect for the whole year. Um... Ups and downs defensively, we know they got hot at the end of the season, won eight, nine games, whatever may have you, um, in the same amount of weeks. So I'm aware that they got hot. It seemed as though their defense, you know, was uh, was settling in, so to speak. But even with that being said, we've seen them be we've seen them be extremely suspect for the duration of the season we have we saw the last time we saw it really was against the Cincinnati Bengals where they allowed 34 points now I get that the Bengals offense is on a completely different level than Pittsburgh offense is I understand that but in that same breath we saw them get exposed and we saw them not too long ago matter of fact last week we saw them uh allow 24 points to the Denver Broncos you know, so it's not like the Pittsburgh Steelers don't have a shot. Now, if we go based on just solely offenses, yeah, the Kansas City Chiefs will blow out the Pittsburgh Steelers if we do that. But at the same time, you have to play defense. I give the advantage to, to Pittsburgh defensively. In all actuality, it's going to be a great a great matchup between the head coaches because you have two legends, and Andy Reid and Mike Tomlin. So you can go either way you want to go with that. If we want to go starting running backs, I'm giving the advantage to Pittsburgh. Obviously, the quarterback position, it'll go to 
um, Kansas City with Patrick Mahomes. We know that. But if you just break this game down like that, I don't know, bro. I don't know. Again, I'm going to go Kansas City just because I do believe Pat Mahomes. Um, I believe the difference between Pat Mahomes and Ben Roethlisberger is so significant that the Kansas City Chiefs will win this football game. But I'm not one of those guys that's just coming in and completely uh, dismissing the Kansas City Chiefs. I'm not. Or excuse me, the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm not. I'm not just coming in here and completely dismissing the the Pittsburgh Steelers. I'm just simply not going to do that. Um, I think that a lot of these guys will elevate their game to another level because now the narrative is, and we saw it with Denver in 2015 where, you know, unfortunately my Carolina Panthers lost to um, the Denver Broncos in Super Bowl 50. But we've seen this story before. We have. Legendary quarterback, Announcing his last ride, and we see those guys elevate their their the level of play and elevate their talent to an elite level because they want their guy to go out into the sunset. We've seen this before, so you know I don't work that game. A lot of people are deeming that game to be a blowout just because we saw Kansas City beat um, Pittsburgh by twenty six a couple weeks ago. A lot of those, a lot of people are just completely dismissing this Pittsburgh team. I'm not one of those ones, bro. I'm not one of those ones. They for one, they come out of the AFC North. We know what that division breeds. They had to win a lot of big games down the stretch. They got their job done in a lot of those games. Now, a lot of them games as well, we saw them fold. But again, I can chalk that up to injury. And really, they're coming into this matchup against Kansas City this week healthy. So, you know, but then we just want to move on from that point and move on from Pittsburgh, Kansas City. We know what they are. We do. Again, we'll highlight Andy Reid and Patrick Mahomes and that duo that they are. And then, of course, Tyreek Hill and Ty, uh, Tyreek Hill, excuse, excuse me, and Travis Kelsey. So we know the high power efficiency that they can achieve when they're clicking on all cylinders. The thing that that I'm hesitant about is will that defense be able to hold up? That's my question, and that's what the question has to be going into this matchup for Kansas City Chiefs fans around the world is can that defense hold up? Can they? Because if T.J. Watt comes into the game and makes two or three big plays and he turns Pat Mahomes over a couple times, we're looking at this game completely different. We are because if those, if those plays happen to occur in the first quarter, and Pittsburgh has a a, a a seven to ten point lead. Again, we're looking at this game completely different. So, I'll re-emphasize the point that I don't want to just completely dismiss Pittsburgh. I don't, and I'm not going to. I'm really not because they have the ability to win this football game. Because it wasn't too long ago. Now I know a lot of pe- a lot of weeks have passed. But it wasn't too long ago that us as an NFL community was com- were completely dismissing the Kansas City Chiefs. So it's not like the, the Kansas City Chiefs of the past two or three years were their world beaters. You know, it's not one of those situations because we still we've seen numerous times this season where the Kansas City Chiefs have been proven to be human. We have. 
Again, just last week, they allowed 24 points to the, to the Denver Broncos. And not just to the Denver Broncos, but allowed 24 points to Drew Locke. You know. So you take that as you will. Again, I do have the Pittsburgh or I do have the Kansas City Chiefs winning this game. But it's one of those things where it's 60-40, bro. I give the Pittsburgh Steelers a 40% chance to win this football game. I do. And that's just me. Let's move on to our next matchup. Um, so the next one on the slate is the Arizona Cardinals versus the Los Angeles Rams. This one is a pick em, bro. It really is. I give both teams a 50-50 shot. If I had to go 51-49, I would go with the Los Angeles Rams. If I had to pick, gun to my head, life on the line, if I had to pick and I was in one of those situations, I would go with the Los Angeles Rams. But we've seen what both of these teams are capable of, and y'all know my knock on the Los Angeles Rams. We saw it again this past week, the Rams' inability to win big games. Now, if we go based on a talent standpoint, we know the deal. Odell Beckham, Cooper Cup, Stafford, um, the way Sony Michelle has been running the football over the past month, uh, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, Ramsey, we know the deal. We know the deal. I think that if we just go based on talent, the Rams are a, a much better football team than the Arizona Cardinals. But we have to go based on who the best team is. And that's kind of where I'm at a dilemma. Again, I gave the advantage to the Rams just from a talent perspective. That's why I said it's a pick em game because if we go based on talent and the Los Angeles Rams play up to their talent level, then the Rams should win this football game. But if we're going based on a team as a whole and the way they've been able to overcome adversity throughout this season, you know, the Cardinals have been able to do that. They have. Now, I know it's been rough sledding for them. It has. Over the past month to month and a half, they've been extremely inconsistent. They have. But in that same breath, DeAndre Hopkins hasn't been there. J.J. Watt hasn't been there. And those are two huge pieces to the puzzle as it pertains to the success that we saw the Arizona Cardinals endure or, or um, achieve in the first eight, nine, 10 games of this NFL season. So again, it's a pick em, bro. I like the advantage going to Sean McVay in the coaching matchup. I do. Um, now that could just be based on the narrative of Sean McVay. He is the NFL golden boy as it pertains to head coaches in the NFL right now. So maybe, you know, I'm a little jaded in that respect. It's very possible. Um, but I don't know, bro. I think that Sean McVay is a, uh, a, a, a great football coach. He resonates with me personally just because I felt like I've played for a guy that has extreme similarities to Sean McVay and uh, and Nate Connor, head coach of the DH Conley Vikings here in Greenville, North Carolina. Um, so you know, I, maybe it's that maybe that plays a role in it. Whatever may have you. Um, but again, I give the advantage there to the Los Angeles Rams. If we go running back, I give that that. Um, advantage to the Arizona Cardinals because we do know um, Chase Edmonds is a elite back, so to speak. 
James Conner, I'm not sure what his injury designation is this week, but if he's available, that adds a completely different dynamic to your football team, specifically offensively. Um, receivers, DeAndre Hopkins will not be available this week, so I have to give the receiving matchup to the Los Angeles Rams just based on the fact that they have the triple crown winner in Cooper Cup, and then you add a guy, one of the best pass catchers, hands catchers that we've seen, of our generation and Odell Beckham Jr. So I have to give the advantage to the Rams there. And then defensively, I don't know what Arizona team is going to show up. I don't. I don't. Now, in that same breath, I could say the same thing for the Rams. I don't know if I'm getting the Rams defense from the first half of the 49ers game last week or the second half of that 49ers game last week. But I trust the Los Angeles Rams defense just a little bit more, not much, not much because I have seen them be exposed this season with uh, with uh, all their guys, their superstar guys, Von Miller, Aaron Donald, and uh, Jalen Ramsey present on the field. I've seen them be exposed on a couple of occasions. I have. But in that same breath, I've seen Arizona's defense be exposed as well. And with that being said, J.J. Watt hasn't played in about eight, nine, ten weeks. So, you know. It's just it's a pick'em game, bro. It really is. It really is going to be interesting to see. I do believe that Kent, that uh, Arizona will come out and air the football out. So it's going to be one of those things where you know, Von Miller and Aaron Donald have to they have to step up and they have to make their presence felt. They have to make Colin Murray uncomfortable. And then the key is at that point, if you do make him uncomfortable, you have to be able to contain him. You do. You can't let him break the pocket. You let, can't let him get outside the tackles because that's where he does the, his most damage. That's where he does the most damage is when he breaks the pocket and he gets outside of those tackles. So I think that they'll come out again and try to air the ball out. It's very imperative for uh, the Los Angeles Rams to come out and rush the quarterback. That's going to be the key this week. Matter of fact, that's going to be the key in my opinion, for both teams this week, is rushing the quarterback. Because if you give either of, the, either of these guys time, they're going to expose you. So the key right now for both of these teams is rushing the quarterback. This, this football game is run one at the front line. And then you have to take a look at what offensive line has the ability to protect their quarterback the best. Because that's going to play a huge role in it as well. So I think that the key for this game is going to be the trenches. We can talk about all the superstars that we want, you know, Kyler Murray, um, the receivers for the Rams, Jalen Ramsey, guys like that. But at the end of the day, it's going to be one up front. It is. And that's why I have this game being a pick'em game. Because really, in all actuality, I God honest truth, do not know what version of which team we'll get. I don't. I don't. I don't know if I'm getting an elite version of the Rams. I don't know if I'm getting an elite version of the Cardinals. You know, I don't know if I'm going to see inconsistency in the play like I did this past week with the Los Angeles Rams. I don't know. I don't know. So that's where I'm kind of at a at a crossroads, so to speak. Um, so we'll just have to see how it plays out. We'll just have to see how it plays out. Again, for the sake of the segment, I'm going Rams, but... To re-emphasize the point, um, it's a pick'em, bro. It really is. I'll go Rams, but 
I don't know what version of which team I'm getting. So I, I, I would not bet on this game. <laughs> I would not bet on this game if I'm being 100% transparent. I would not bet on this game. Um, so that's what we have. We have two more, and then we'll, we'll wrap up on this segment, and we'll move on to our uh, mailbag. We'll kind of do a rapid-fire mailbag, so to speak, this week, um, and then we'll move on to our ass-out award and the best thing I saw, and then we'll wrap up there. Um, and this is this is a huge game this week. This could have easily been a game of the week. Um, this could have very, very easily been a game of the week for me. Um, but let's talk about it. 49ers and Dallas Cowboys. Now, this is going to piss some Cowboys fans off, especially some that I know in my personal life. Um, but I do, I do have the 49ers, again, winning this game. I do. I had the 49ers winning this game. Now, that's very hard for me to say because y'all know um, how I feel about Dak Prescott. I feel like Dak Prescott is an elite quarterback. I think that I feel as though Dak Prescott is a top six, maybe seven quarterback in the NFL right now. Uh, I think that Dak Prescott will go down as one of the best quarterbacks that, you know, that we'll see. As time goes on, I really do. I really do. He already has, you know, started on the track of of having the accolades of doing that and being, you know, headed in that direction. Um, barring the injury last year, he was on a pace to win MVP, in my opinion. Before the injury last year, he was on pace to win MVP, in my opinion. Because if you remember, I think that it was he was the the leading uh, quarterback in pass yards up until about two weeks removed from his injury. So he was putting on a clinic. He was the favorite to win the MVP at the time that he went down last year. Um, So again, y'all know how I feel about Dak Prescott. It's hard for me to say. It really, really is hard for me to say. But if you look at this game, if you you take the teams away, you take the names away, and you just look at what both teams do well, and take like, again, take the names away because if we're talking about star power, Dallas has it, bro. Dallas has it. They're America's team. You know, we know this story with Dak, Zeke, the receiving core, uh, Michael Parsons, guys like that. We get it. We do. And y'all know how I felt about Dallas. I think three or four weeks ago, I came out and said that Dallas was still the number two team in the NFL. Shit has changed, bro. It's unfortunate, but Dallas right now to me doesn't look like a team that can come out and compete for a Super Bowl. They don't. They don't. That shit was cute against Philly last week. It was against that second and third string guys. It was cute. It was, but I mean, listen. Dallas the past month to month and a half have not been playing a great brand of football. And to me, that's where your ascension should begin. It's possible the Cowboys may have peaked a little too early. It is. And again, if you look at what these teams do well, let's break it down once again. Let's break it down once again. Mike McCarthy, we know he's a Super Bowl winning coach. But at times this year, numerous times this year, I might add, we saw in the Arizona game 
with that being, you know, again, two weeks ago, with that being the, the most recent of occurrences where he mismanages late game situations. He does. And what am I talking about specifically? If we go back to the play where I believe it was Chase Edmonds who caught the ball in the flat or he ran the football Guys rallied to the ball. Didn't pr- mind you, this is prior to the two-minute warning. It's about 2.20 left on the clock. Guys rallied to the ball. They caused a fumble. But because Mike McCarthy had to burn a timeout in the third quarter due to a lack of urgency, he wasn't able to challenge that play. So, again, we've seen this on numerous occasions where Mike McCarthy has mismanaged his football team in tough moments. We have. So that's number one. But I'm not just necessarily going to jump out the window and say that, you know, Shanahan has the coaching advantage because I'm not, you know, I don't want to go that far. I must give Mike McCarthy his respect. You know, he did win a Super Bowl, but in that same breath, he won a Super Bowl with the best quarterback of all time, best quarterback of all time. And if you have a problem with that statement, I gave the breakdown last week. So go spin that episode from last week if you want to understand why I say the best quarterback of all time. Because if we're talking about from a talent perspective, Aaron Rodgers is by far the best quarterback that has played in the NFL. The best quarterback of all time. So Mike McCarthy does have that chip. I understand that. But in that same breath, he won it with a guy by the name of Aaron Rodgers. You know, so it's a little bit easier when you have a talent like that that's part of your roster and that's the head of your football team. And we saw what happened with that relationship as time went on. Aaron Rodgers kicked his ass to the curb. And there may have been a reason for that. It's unfortunate, but it's just real shit. So again, am I going to just jump out the window and give the coaching advantage to Shanahan? Maybe not just based on the fact that McCarthy has a championship. But if we're talking about right now, this year, uh, yeah, Shanahan is a better coach if we just take this year as a sample. Shanahan has gotten his guys to overcome adversity with all of the injuries that they've had. I mean, they've had countless injuries on both sides of the football. And for them to even be in the position that they're in right now, it's really just mind-boggling if you look at the 49ers season as a whole, transparently, if we're just going to be honest with each other today. It really is. They really shouldn't even be here. But because of the head coach that they have in Kyle Shanahan, he's been able to rally those guys and just to stay afloat. And when the, the, the opportunity has uh, presented itself, the 49ers have gotten the job done. Case in point last week when they were down 17 to 0 in the first half. And they came out and punched the Rams in the mouth repeatedly. Was able to send were able to send that game to overtime and ultimately were able to win that football game. So one of those things where it's kind of a pick'em at head coach. You could lean towards Mike McCarthy because he has the chip. You could lean to, to Kyle Shanahan based on what we've seen this season. You want to just make that the sample. So again, it's a pick them. Quarterback, to me, it's obvious. It's Dak Prescott. Jimmy Garoppolo, he's nothing more than a game manager. Um, we saw him look like shit for the whole first half 
of that Rams game last week. Um, so that's one of those things where it's kind of a question mark, so to speak, in that respect. Um, at quarterback for the for the 49ers. So off rip, I'm giving that advantage to the Dallas Cowboys. Um, receivers, I'm going Dallas because I feel as though Dallas has one of the best, if not the best, receiving core in the league. They may not show it on a week in, week out basis, but if we're just going based on the fact that we've seen these on what we've seen these guys, excuse me, do at certain points in this season, it's elite. It's elite. It is um, Cedric Wilson to me. He's another one of those guys, just like Jonathan Abram. He's another one of those guys that I absolutely love watching play. I think Cedric Wilson, if he goes to any other team in the NFL with the respect, you know, with, with, with the exception of a couple, if he goes to, let's say this, if he goes to 80% of the teams in the NFL, Cedric Wilson becomes a wide receiver one. And Cedric Wilson is currently listed on the Dallas Cowboys roster as the starting slot receiver, in all actuality, that puts him at, uh, or excuse me, what, what is he listed at? Uh, I was about to go on a rant, and I don't even got my shit together. I don't even got my facts straight. I believe he's listed as a slot receiver. He may be listed as an outside guy. Let's take a look. Let's take a look before I go in, go on a rant. Let's see. Wide receiver. Yeah. So they have him li- they have him listed as a as a um slot guy. So just based on that fact, we have to put him as a wide receiver 3. Because you're not going to put your wide receiver one in the fl- in, in, in the slot. That's just not going to happen. He has to be an outside threat. Cedric Wilson is one of those guys that is both. He's listed as their wide receiver three. But to me personally, Cedric Wilson is a wide receiver one. Again, if you put him in 80, 80% of the NFL, if you plug them into, their, into that roster, if you plug him into that roster, 80% of the NFL, he is a wide receiver one option. He is. And to me, it's not just an option. He is the clear-cut favorite to be the wide receiver one on 80% of, of the teams in the NFL, not named Dallas, not named Cincy, guys like that. you know. And then you have some outliers like uh, Kansas City as well with Tyreek Hill. But even then, he could overtake Tyreek Hill if we're keeping it 100. And that's just it. obviously, it's just my opinion. That's what I'm here to do is give y'all my opinions on certain things in the sports world. I am. Um, but that's how I feel about Cedric Wilson. So, again, I'm going to give the advantage to Dallas as it pertains to wide receivers, running backs. I have to go with San Francisco. I do. And I only say that, listen, don't get all up in arms because, you know, I know Ezekiel Elliott. I know Tony Pollard, et cetera, et cetera. I only say that and I say it definitively solely based on the fact that I don't know if Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are both healthy. I don't. We've seen Zeke over the past two months look like a shell of himself. He did eclipse a thousand yards. You know, it was. It's one of those things where that's one of those stats that will kind of lose its validity as time goes on. 
Um, just based on the fact that we now have an 18-week NFL season. He did go for 1,000 yards. I get it. Tony Pollard, he has his spurts. But again, these guys aren't healthy. We've seen Zeke for the past two months be a shell of himself. We have. He doesn't have that pop. He doesn't have that burst. At times, it seems as though he doesn't run the football hard. And if he is running the football hard, that's a problem. Because these guys are, are, are running through his face mask effortlessly, really. They're running through them, and that's something that we haven't seen happen with Ezekiel Elliott in years past. So, again, that's why I want to go with San Francisco uh, with the advantage as it pertains to running back play. That's why I say that. Because of that reason right there, I don't know if Tony Pollard and Ezekiel Elliott are healthy. Tony Pollard has to be on that list because, again, he was on a limited snap count against Arizona. Then we didn't see him at all again last week. And this is a heel injury or ankle injury, whatever, whatever, uh, whichever one it is um, that he's been dealing with for the past three weeks, three or four weeks. And he hasn't been 100 percent healthy for the for the duration of time, for that particular duration of time. He hasn't been healthy. So I had to go with Eli Mitchell. I do. It's just one guy. You got one guy going up against two. But I had to go Eli Mitchell there. I, again, I give the quarterback and receiver advantage to um to Dallas head coach one more time it's a pick em. I you know I want to go Shanahan just because of what I've seen based on this year I have respect for McCarthy and his Super Bowl so again that's another pick em. um and then we we were forced to look at defense we're forced to look at defense and then if we look at defense we have to break it down as a unit I want San Francisco's defense. And so that is why I have San Francisco winning this football game. Because of defense and the way they approach their game, their mentality, their brand of football. They're going to run the ball down your throat. Dallas has struggled with the run, the run defense this year. That's been clear. San Francisco is going to run the ball down your throat. And when they do pass the football, it's going to be the tight end. George Kittle. Another advantage that the San Francisco 49ers have. Right? And I wanted to highlight that because Dallas has struggled with the tight end as well. So, right now, the Dallas Cowboys are, are on upset alert. They are. And if you have a problem with that, I'm sorry. But this team really hasn't showed me anything other than that. They're suspect at cornerback. Again, we talked about that last week. A lot of people want to gas up Trayvon Diggs, and, you know, rightfully so. He has a lot of interceptions, so I get that. But in that same breath, he's also the only cornerback in the NFL to allow over 1,000 uh, yards receiving. So, yeah, he makes big plays. You know, that that is going to play a role in the playoffs, specifically this game, if he's able to get his hands on one of those balls and, you know, change the momentum of the game. But he is a liability when it comes to pass coverage. Anthony Brown, since the Las Vegas Raiders game on Thanksgiving, has become a liability because teams target him. And when you have guys like Brandon Ayuk and Debo Samuel being the ones that are targeting you, there's an issue. 
because you have one guy that can't cover but can intercept a football well, and then you have another guy that can't cover and can't intercept a football. So, you know, you tell me. You tell me what you think. I know Michael Parsons, again, I've been very adamant and very vocal in saying that he is by far the defensive rookie of the year. And again, in that same breath, he is by far to me the defensive player of the year. I know everybody wants to gas TJ Watt up because he tied Strahan's record and all of that. You know, I know he he missed games due to injury or whatever may have you. I get it. A lot of people want to go TJ Watt. I don't. I think that what Michael Parsons is doing and what he has done this season has been special, and I think he's on a on a level by himself. I do. Because I don't believe T.J. Watt can do what Michael Parsons does. And you can debate with your mom about that one. Respectfully, of course. But I'm just telling you what I, what I feel and what I see on tape. Because that's what I go based on. I go based on tape and not highlights. Michael Parsons does things that T.J. Watt does not have the ability to do. So we know how I feel about Michael Parsons. That's out of the way. It is. But with that being said, I don't know if Michael Parsons is enough. I don't. And again, you can feel however you want to feel. I know Dallas fans are going to get in their feelings. You know, they, they believe that the 49ers shouldn't even be on the same field as them, whatever may have you. But I saw a couple weeks ago they were feeling the same way about the Denver Broncos, and we know how that game played out. And if you don't, they got clipped. So, you know, I felt a certain way about Dallas for the duration of this season. And right now, over the past month or so, they just haven't given me that same feeling. So that is, in fact, why I have the San Francisco 49ers upsetting the Dallas Cowboys. I do. I think San Francisco will come out. I think San Francisco will dominate this game at the point of attack as it pertains to an offensive standpoint. The offensive line, I feel, will dominate the Cowboys defensive line and the Cowboys front seven in the running game. And I think that's going to set the tone for the game as a whole. That's my honest opinion. I really do. And now, don't get me wrong, this is one of those games where I would be happy to be wrong because that's how much I love Dak Prescott. That's how much I believe in Dak Prescott. I would love to be wrong about this game. But unfortunately, I think that a lot of things, a lot of factors are going against them in this matchup. I do. And then you have a a 49ers team to add to everything that I just said You have a 49ers team that just came off of a huge win against a team that has been sitting at the top of the NFC for the duration of the year. So their confidence level right now is on a thousand. So you feel how you want to feel about it, but that's just that's just 100 percent facts. I have San Francisco moving on and we'll wrap up here um, with this particular segment. Um, There's not really much to highlight because I don't give the Eagles a shot at all, but we'll break it down. Um, Eagles and Tampa Bay. That'll close out the weekend um, on Monday night. Eagles and Tampa Bay on Monday night football. Uh, I have Tampa Bay winning this game, obviously. 
Um, we could we could do a deep dive into it, and you know what? Just just for the sake the sake of the podcast, we will. It's clear that Tampa Bay has the advantage at, at quarterback, the greatest quarterback of all time, going up against an unproven jit. That's abundantly clear. Mike Evans is better than any receiver that the Philadelphia Eagles have had in their their roster for the past decade. And I only say decade because, and matter of fact, it might be longer because I only was chalking it up to Terrell Owens being even remotely close to the level that Mike Evans plays at. You know, Gronkowski, we know the relationship that he has with Tom. Dallas Goddard, it's one of those things where it's kind of a toss-up. You have the old vet that's been doing this shit for years, and then you got Dallas Goddard who's been, you know, in a, on an upward trajectory for the better part of his career. Um so, you know, defense, kind of it's a pick em. But if you look at the defense or if you look at the offense that the Tampa Bay defense has to go up against and then you look at the offense that the, the Philadelphia Eagles defense has to go up against, that, that, that tells you everything you need to know right there. I trust Tampa Bay a lot more than I trust Philadelphia. I think that Philadelphia... Really, I don't even think that they deserve to make it. I don't. Uh, I'm not happy that they made it, honestly, because I feel like we could have gotten a better matchup stylistically for a team uh, or for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, a team to oppose the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I do. Um, So really, this is just one of those matchups where I think that this would probably be the worst game of of the opening round of the playoffs. Um, no upset to you know, no upset to report about here. There's absolutely nothing to worry about if you're the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. You know, I I get that they're having a bit of turmoil in their locker room, and you know, a lot of reports coming out of there, couple of injuries to the wide receiver position, whatever may have you. But listen, bro, Tom Brady is just he he just wanted them, bro. He's a fucking alien. He's a fucking alien. There's no way that Philadelphia goes into Tampa Bay and beats Tampa Bay round one of the playoffs. I, I hate to tell you. Hate to tell you. That's that's really all I can give you on that. That's all I can give you on that matchup because I don't even feel like there's even a conversation to be had, bro. I really don't. And to Eagles and Buccaneers fans, I apologize, you know, because I went in depth in every other game but this one. But, you know. There's just there's no game to be had. I have Tampa Bay winning this game by 17 or more. Really. I really do. I mean, this this won't even be a, a competition for real. First half, we might have something. Second half, Brady is going to blast Philly in their fucking nose. Honestly. And that's just, I mean, again, I can't, I can't make myself... Dive into dive into this matchup. I can't. I tried to do it at first. I just can't do it, bro. I can't dive into this matchup because this 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 to me is just one of those games that I don't even want to give any validity. Really, I respect Philly because they did make the playoffs. Do they deserve to be there? No, not in my opinion. But I respect them for getting there. But this is again, this is a matchup that I don't even want to give any validity to. God honest truth, because I just feel like Tampa Bay is just going to absolutely obliterate. The Philadelphia Eagles off the face of the earth. So, 
That's that on that. That's that on that. And that is the completion um, of that segment, the, the NFL playoff breakdown, round one. Um, it's going to be a great weekend for football. We have football on Saturday. We have football on Sunday. And we have football on Monday. I cannot wait. Y'all know where I will be um, on all of those three days. I will be in front of a TV uh, tuned in to playoff football. Um, 425 and 825, I believe, for Saturday. Sunday, one at, uh, one at one, one at four, one at eight. Um, and then Monday, eight as well. Um, and that, those are the time frames for those games. Um, so make sure you're tuned in, bro. Make sure you're tuned in. We're in for a treat. We are um, very special. I think that this this is going to be one of the, the best NFL playoffs that we've seen in recent history. Um, and that will just fit into, you know, this NFL season as a whole. Because really, to me, this has been one of the best NFL seasons that I've ever experienced in my life, honestly. And I think that's that that's saying a lot. But that that's really how I feel. Um Everybody has been beaten. Everybody has been challenged. Everybody has dealt with injuries and COVID and things of that nature. Um, so, you know, again, this is this has been one of the best NFL seasons that I've ever experienced. And I think that these playoffs um, are headed in that same direction. I do. So just make sure that you're tuned into that. I would hate for you to miss it. Make sure you're tuned in. Um, and our first game again will be on Saturday at 425. So make sure you're tuned in there. Um, so yeah, man, that's what I have on that. So we'll head over to mailbag. All right, so here we go. It's kind of a again, this is kind of a rapid fire mailbag, so to speak, just because I wanna, you know, I wanna keep the time in the same slot that we've we've been in. We've gone a little bit over today. Uh so this will be a, a quicker version of our mailbag. Again, I do always appreciate y'all turning in y'all's questions, bro. Um, it means a lot, man. The love and support is overwhelming for real. So it's really, really appreciated. Um, and just keep them coming, bro. Just keep them coming because we, we going up. We going up. Uh, all right, let's see. Rapid fire mailbag. Here we go. What percent chance do you give the Steelers to beat the Chiefs? I answered this question a little bit earlier in our playoff segment, um, but 40%. And I'll leave it there again. You can rewind or just watch the full video if you're watching on YouTube or Instagram, whatever it may have you. Um, listen to the full podcast uh, or, or fast forward to, you know, on the video on YouTube. Um, and I, I went into a bit more detail on that. Um, but that is the percent chance that I give the Pittsburgh Steelers to beat the Chiefs. 40%. 40%. Um, how likely is a 49ers upset? Again, another one that I touched on just uh in the playoff segment, it's very likely. It's very likely. I think that it will happen. I do. It's extremely likely. I think the 49ers upset the Dallas Cowboys this weekend. Um, will the Panthers look in another direction for quarterback next year? I hope so. I hope so. Don't even get me started on the Carolina Panthers. I mean, I hope so. But just based on how dumb the fucking organization and the guys at the helm of the organization are right now, I, I don't foresee it happening. I don't. The only thing that I can foresee happening, really, honestly, honestly and truthfully, the only move I can see that can potentially be made is a play for Deshaun Watson. There were rumors, you know, this past week that Christian McCaffrey, um, that we were fielding questions, quote-unquote fielding questions 
for Christian McCaffrey. I know Scott Fitter this week came out and said, you know, we'll listen to any conversation. That doesn't mean you're being shopped, whatever may have you. Um, if we have the opportunity to go to get Deshaun Watson, I think we should um, because that he puts your, your organization in a completely different position than we currently are. He does. That's the reality of the situation. Do I believe that we go in a different direction? I do not. Um, I think Sam Darnold is the guy, bro. It's unfortunate, but it's just the reality. I think Sam, Sam Darnold is the guy. Matt Rule has made that abundantly clear for the duration of this year. It's abundantly clear at this very moment that Dave Tepper has decided not to move on from Matt Rule. Um, so he will be the head coach of the, the Carolina Panthers from the looks of it in 2022. It's extremely unfortunate. It's another year of depression for me. Um, and I say that wholeheartedly because uh, I don't take stuff like that as a joke, but mentally that's what it feels like. That's what I have to go through every Sunday when I watch a shit product week in and week out. So it's extremely unfortunate. It's bullshit that we have to deal with this as Carolina Panthers fans. Um, but no, I don't foresee us going in a different direction in quarter, at quarterback um, because I think that we're, we're going to come out in the sixth pick. We're going to draft a lineman, which is something that we need. Um, so no, I don't foresee us going in a different direction at quarterback next year. Uh, next question, given the Lakers play so far this season, is there a chance they can make a turnaround and make a push in the postseason? You know my answer to this is going to be yes, solely based on the fact that the Lakers have LeBron James. That's, I mean, that's the reality of the situation. We know Anthony Davis has been down, you know, for the past three, four, five weeks, whatever may have you. We know that he's tissue. We know that he's extremely soft. You know, we know that he spends more, more time in street clothes than his actual basketball uniform. But if Anthony Davis does come back and is able to give, you know, the Lakers at least 20 to 25 games of elite play, play that we know Anthony Davis... Uh, Anthony Davis is capable of I think that the Lakers can turn it around and make a push to, in the playoffs I do um, Russell Westbrook we know the story on him again I made my opinion very clear um, I stated my stance very obviously on the last podcast a lot of people like to use Russell Westbrook as a scapegoat and I know that he's not playing good basketball right now I know Russell Westbrook does not look like a good basketball player at this very moment but just let him Work through it. At this point, it's mental. Everything that Westbrook is experiencing right now is mental. When he works through that and when he overcomes that, I think that the Lakers can make a push in the playoffs. Do I think they make it out of the West? I do not because I believe that the Golden State Warriors will come out of the West. I think that um, the Phoenix Suns are more of a threat to come out of the West than the LA Lakers are, but I'm not predicting a first-round exit for the Los Angeles Lakers. I'm not I'm not at a point in this season right now where I want to do that. So I do not believe that that will occur. I don't. Um, so can the Lakers turn it around and make a push into the postseason um, or in the postseason? They can make a push, but they're not going to come out of the West, unfortunately. That's just not going to happen. Um, and then last but not least... Um, we have named three of your picks to be superstars in the NFL in the coming years um, out of the rookies and second-year players. Um, so, obviously, you know, the easy thing to do would be to go guys like Jamar, Justin Jefferson, Micah, 
um, Joe Burrow, guys like that. Obviously, I mean, we know though. To me, those are guys that are already established superstars already. I, I believe those guys are already established superstars. To me, that's not a challenge. So what I did is I went a step further and I actually challenged myself. Um, and this is the list that I came up with. These are guys that I predict in their future will become superstars in the NFL. Um, so first and foremost, we had the receiver from the New Orleans Saints, Marquez Callaway. Um, he's a stud. I enjoy watching him play. I think that he becomes a superstar at some point. If he gets, if Jameis Winston comes back healthy um, and he has the opportunity to be the Saints starting quarterback once again, I think that that relationship will be extremely beneficial for both parties. And I think Mar Marquez Callaway becomes a superstar um, at some point in his NFL career. Another guy that I have on that list, Javante Williams, the running back from the Denver Broncos. Um, rookie season this year, he had a, a, a solid year. He was playing behind Melvin Gordon for a good portion of that uh, of this season, um, but he did turn in a relatively good year. Um, rookie from UNC Chapel Hill, stud running back to me. Um, he he runs the ball angry. He'll run through your face mask. I think he has the ability to become a superstar in the NFL in the very near future. And then last but not least. Linebacker from the Baltimore Ravens, uh, Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen is a stud. I want to say, I believe that Patrick Queen is a rookie. If I'm not mistaken, I believe he's a rookie. If not, it is for a fact his second year. Um, but he is, again, he is a young guy, 22 years old, young guy, stud. He'll run through your face mask. Um, you know, he plays at a very, very fast paced, high level. Um, has work to do in coverage. He does. If he's going to be an elite linebacker, he does have work to do in coverage. But if we're talking about the speed at, in which he plays the game of football, if we're talking about the force that he plays um, at the in the game of football, Patrick Queen is on another level to me, especially for a guy that is his age. Um, and I do believe that he has the ability to become a superstar in the NFL. Watch out for those three guys. Again, Marquez Callaway, Javante Williams, and Patrick Queen. Watch out for those guys to become superstars in this league. And that's what I have on that. Um, that will wrap up our mailbag segment. Um, so we'll go ahead and close here. Um, best thing I saw this week. I have two of them again this week. Um, but the best thing that I saw this week, first and foremost, was Klay Thompson making his return to the Golden State Warriors. Take a listen. He's back! And now, in his 11th NBA season, out of Washington State University, number 11, Clay Thompson! So that was the first best thing that I saw this week. Um, and then the second best thing that I saw this week was the block that John Morant had against the Los Angeles Lakers. Take a listen. Avery Bradley with the deflection against Bay. Oh, my God. What an incredible block. 
unreal play by John Moran. I mean, unreal is right. This guy, just look where he is. When he catches it at the top of the square, the box on the backward, look at his hands up there. So, yeah, those were the best things that I saw this week. Um, And last but not least, our ass out award. Our ass out award this week goes to the Indianapolis Colts. Um, The Indianapolis Colts in the offseason made a deal with the Philadelphia Eagles to acquire quarterback Carson Wentz. um, And in return, the Eagles received a top 20 pick, third round pick, and $103 million in cap relief. Um, The Eagles made the playoffs. The Colts didn't. Um, Indianapolis Colts started the season 0-3 before catching fire, defeated teams like the Buffalo Bills, the 49ers, New England Patriots, the Cardinals. Um, Leading into Week 17, the Colts were 9-6 with two opportunities to secure their playoff berth. Game 1 was against the Raiders, and Game 2 was against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Um, a chance at the big dance was damn near guaranteed until it wasn't. The two-win Jaguars ruined it all Sunday as the Colts choke and lose to the Jacksonville Jaguars 26-11. To the Indianapolis Colts, congratulations. You are ass out. So, yeah, man, that's what I have, bro. Um, Of course, as always, I appreciate y'all rocking out with me. I know this was a little bit longer than episodes of recent. Um, I tried to cut down the time as much as possible. Um, But, yeah, man, again, I appreciate you for being here. Um, You know, I'm happy to be here, bro. I'm happy to have this opportunity again. Um, you know, I know that you guys are listening. I know that you guys are, are paying attention. That means a lot to me. Um, that's that the the community that we have established right now is gives me extreme motivation to keep going. Um, so I'm I'm extremely grateful for y'all. Um, again, shout out to the Little River Podcast. I will be making a, an appearance um, on their show this week. Um, so I'm very excited about that grateful for that opportunity um again huge weekend nfl football this week round one of the nfl playoffs make sure you're tuned into that um what else we have a content piece on youtube dropping saturday deucey gold live performance um at unc chapel hill vlog style video if you don't already subscribe to our youtube channel um you can find us at the g2s uh network um, and I think I messed that up in the intro, so I do apologize for that. That is at the, the G2S network. Um, if you search goodies and two shoes, we'll still pop up. Um, but that is at the G2S network. Um, what else do I have for you guys? I think that's it, man. I think that's it. Again, I do appreciate um, you guys rocking out with us, especially for the time that we had today. Um and we will be back next week again tune into the little river podcast i'll be making an appearance there this week um content piece dropping saturday once again um the video version of this podcast will be available um friday so tomorrow this will be available on youtube if you're watching on youtube right now i do appreciate you thank you like comment subscribe all of that good stuff um 
So yeah, man, that's it, bro. I I appreciate it again. Thanks for rocking out with us. G2S the lifestyle, G2S the wave, G2S the motherfucking movement. You know the vibrations. Peace. I'm here patient as can be. They say, Todd, I still need some satisfaction. A little less talk and a little more action. I need you out of Jamaica relaxing. Thought I had everything somehow. Fiddle rock, bro. Hey! I need some, something. I won't beat it up to some, something. You're diving at the rub or some, something. You need to give it up to someone. You need to give it up to someone. You need to fuck spot watch your name. Need to give it up to someone. Before you end up like, wow, 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 wow. Like, wow, wow.